Okay, there we go. All right, we're going to be in Romans 7. We're going to be in Romans 7. Now, buddy, there were some lofty thoughts in that song. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know why you ought to choose the Lord Jesus Christ? Because He's the one that can help you. Yes. You know why you ought to choose the Lord Jesus Christ? Because He's the one that loved you. Nobody loved you like that. Your mama doesn't love you like that. I mean, he was praying for sinners while in such woe. Uh, let me tell you something. When your back has just been beaten, they've just plucked the beard out of your face, and they've smitten you and nailed nails in your hands and in your feet, tore up your back the way they did his, and left those stripes, you've got plenty on your mind. Amen. Furthermore, what was going on spiritually? Oh, my. Here was unbroken fellowship with the Father, and all of a sudden... The father was leaving him because he was becoming sin for you and me. And in the middle of all that, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And in the middle of all that, a dying thief beside him said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Amen. He was taking care of other people while he was going through that. Yeah. Let me just be real with you, man. If I was going through that, I'd say, uh, sorry, I got other things I'm dealing with right now. Jesus took all that and loved you and took care of you and prayed for you and did all that for you at the same time. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 7. Let's pick up reading in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I have not known sin but by the law. For I have not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. Now, we don't often use that word concupiscence. That's one I almost never use. Unless I'm preaching this sermon, I, I don't use it much. It's uh, desirous of carnal pleasures. Something that feels good to the body. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Isn't that something? God gave us a, a law, and it's good for us, and if we'd just keep the rules, it'd be great. But we don't, do we? And so it ends up getting us condemned. The wages of sin is what? Death. Verse 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Uh, one of the things that people don't realize in our day is the sins of our day are exceeding sinful. Amen. Amen. If back in the 1950s and 1960s some people in Crossville, Tennessee could see what some of the people in Crossville, Tennessee are doing today, they would have been horrified, yes, right. if not sick on their stomach. Uh, what's going on today is exceeding sinful. Uh, but I want to mainly take my text from verse 7 where it says, I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. I want to do this morning a short study on lust. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you come down and speak to us and reveal truths to us, Lord, to help us understand this trouble that we all suffer from. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say this morning that God's Word teaches the traits 
and the results of lust. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about lust. Something you own, a desire you have, except it's not the good ones. Did you know there are plenty of desires you have that there's not a thing wrong with? God gave them to you. If you want to get married and have a family and enjoy love, there's not one thing wrong with that. You shouldn't be a bit ashamed of that because that's a God-given desire. If you want to work hard and earn money and provide for your family and buy things that you want to, and especially if you want to do some things in God's work and support some missionaries and uh, help further the cause of Christ, there's not a thing wrong with that. You shouldn't be one bit ashamed of that. Now, if you're going to cheat somebody in order to do it, now you ought to be ashamed of that. If you're going to steal from somebody in order to do it, now you ought to be ashamed of that. But as long as it is honest and above board and you're not hiding anything, you're just providing a good, honest service and getting a good, honest pay for it, there's not one thing to be ashamed of. That's a good thing. That's one of the great blessings we have here in the United States of America. Until the communists get a little bit more power. The Bible says much about lust, though, or coveting, describing it and condemning it and warning against it and defining it. Some synonyms in this text are, like I said a minute ago, coveting and concupiscence. But it is a desire that is not given from God. There comes a point where somebody's desire for money is not a desire from God, just where they get paid for good hard work to do something good with that money. Sometimes it's just... There is never enough. And if they have to avoid every other thing in life, they're going to make that money. That's right. Okay, that's not a desire God gave you. Uh, sometimes um, the desire uh, for love from the opposite sex that God gave us is twisted. Amen. Or excessive. Or at the wrong time. Sometimes a desire that God gives us because he puts us in a position of leadership, goes from just leading according to God's will to a desire for a weird, unhealthy control that there's not a verse of Scripture for anywhere. Amen. That lust for power will absolutely ruin somebody crazy. That's true. You know why some of the stuff goes on in upper levels of government that us common people don't even understand? A lust has overcome some people that most people don't have. But when I talk about lust this morning and preach against it, I'm talking about the desires God never gave you, or at least that He gave you, but you twisted it, or got it at the wrong time, or got way too much of it, or something like that. That's what we're talking about. Lust creates a powerful motivation for you to try to get the object of your desire, but forgets to inform you that in order to get what you want, you have to give up something that you already have. There was a great series of sermons preached one time on this subject. They got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. Many a time you'll get lusting after something, and you'll sell out to get it. And when you get it, you realize you burned a lot of bridges behind you, and now you can't ever go back and get some of the things that were actually more precious to you than the thing you were lusting after so much. You say, don't worry, I've heard the story of the prodigal son. When he got in the hog pen, all he had to do was go back to the father. Amen, that's true. If you find yourself in the far country, it's a real good idea to get back to the father. But let me tell you, 
there are plenty of prodigals that never make it back to the Father. That's right. Amen. They die while they're still in the far country. Amen. They end up in jail while they're still in the far country. Amen. They birth. Daddy dies while they're in the far country. They can't go home to him. There's a lot of things go wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're in the far country, if you end up in a hog pen, try to, as Hank Williams said, scat right back to Pappy's farm. But there will be sometimes you can't do it. And don't think because an exceptional case here and there was able to do it that you'll necessarily be able to do it. It's a whole lot safer to not go into the far country. Amen. Most people don't make it back. Amen. The prodigal son was an exception. That's right. All right, so let's do a short study of lust here since it's talked about so prominently here in Romans chapter 7. It's in some other places as well. Let's first of all look at the origin of lust. The origin of lust. James chapter 1 says this, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Did you hear that? His own lust. If you've got a problem with lust this morning, let me tell you whose fault it is and where it all started. In your heart. Amen. We live in a day where it's all somebody else's fault. Yes. Well, my problem was I had a mean mom and daddy. Well, my problem is society teaches us that we should do such and such. Well, our problem is the men these days aren't being men, and there's some truth to that. Well, our problem these days is the women have all risen up and overestimating their importance. Well, our problem this day is this racial group. Or our problem this day is the rich people. Or our problem is the poor people won't work. Or our problem is if you've got to deal with lust, it started in your heart. It ain't mama's and daddy's fault. It's not my brother, not my sister, not the preacher, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It starts with you. You will do yourself a great service when you learn to take ownership and responsibility for your own problems. You say, but it's not my fault. Then what you just said is, there is nothing you can do about it. Once you take ownership and responsibility for it, you can fix it with the help of the Lord. All right, this sin is our fault. It comes from our hearts. It is me wanting to satisfy myself. Some of us Christians say, well, this wicked world, and, and it is a wicked world, I'll give you that. But lust doesn't come from this wicked world. Now, the wicked world might inflame it some, and no doubt they do. But it started with you. The devil. Now, there's a real devil out there, and I mean he will oppose you in every way, but let me tell you something, your lust are your own lusts, and they come from you. Jesus said it this way, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Some of those Pharisees were saying, Well, the problem is you didn't wash your hands. No, the problem is they didn't wash their heart. There's the trouble. Uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O oh God. It's a bigger job than you think. Start trying to not think one bad thought all day long. Uh-oh. Oh, man. That'd be a job, wouldn't it? The origin of lust is our own hearts. 
Um, second thing I want to say about lust is it's deceitful. It's deceitful. Look at verse uh, 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, did what? Deceived me. Let me tell you about lust. It'll trick you. There are people that think, now, that fellow over there, now, he's dirty. They're filthy. But think their own lusts aren't all that bad. Some people, they think as long as their heart is involved, it's okay. As long as they actually have a connection with the other person, and it's just to prevent loneliness, it's not just for animalistic desires. It's not lust. Then, everybody always justifies their own, don't they? Amen. Well, as long as it's money because I'm trying to keep these liberals from getting it all, hey, it's still covetousness. And it comes from your own heart. But lust will deceive you that way. Ephesians 4.22 says it this way, Put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Lust will deceive you. Lust says it's justified when it's not. I've often referred to that dirty old country song from when I was a kid that said, We ain't done nothing wrong. We've just been lonely too long. See how, see how good that makes that sound? It isn't that you're committing adultery and fornication. You're just trying not to be lonely. The world will always pretty up sin. will always do that. Lust justifies it. Lust says you deserve the object of your desire. I mean, you do not. Lust promises fulfillment, but will not give it. The Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied. Amen. You start looking at dirty pictures, you can't get enough dirty pictures. You start taking drugs, you can't get enough drugs. You start drinking liquor, you can't get enough liquor. You start getting hooked on gambling, you can't gamble enough. You can't Amen. quit. Many a person who started to get hooked on some of these things has said, I know when to quit. Don't worry, I won't go so far. And a few months later and maybe a few years later, they were doing things they would have never dreamed they would have ever done. That's true. Amen. Amen. What happened? The boa constrictor of sin got around them a few more times than they thought. Especially you young people. You, you don't have much experience yet. And the most you felt is the boa constrictor of sin around you about one time. And you could get out of that. But when that boa constrictor of sin gets around you a second time, it's harder to get out. Third time, pretty soon, you can't go anywhere. Amen. Right. There are addictions all over this country, and, and I may as well quit saying that. There are addictions all over this county. And you know why? Somebody thought they could quit. Hey, I got a better idea. Don't start. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Don't give in to the lusts of your own heart. Open up this Bible and find out what's right and wrong and do what's right and stop what's wrong. You won't do it perfectly, don't worry. You say, well, you must be expecting perfection. Lord knows I'm not. But you need to give it a real good hard try. You sure do. You know why? Because lust will take over. And we'll talk more about it. And it'll promise fulfillment, and you'll think, if I just get that next relationship, this will be the one that will really love me. If I just get that next high, it'll get me through this difficult time. If I just get that next promotion, I'll have enough where I won't worry anymore. If I just work 
X number or more overtime if I just... And, and you'll find out there's never enough. That's right. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Why? Because lust is deceitful. You will think it's just like somebody uh, putting the carrot in front of the animal to try to get them into the trap. All that is is a carrot to try to get you in the trap. That's right. Amen, brother. The origin of lust is your own heart. Don't blame anybody else. Amen. One big characteristic of lust is it's deceitful. It fails to tell you what it will cost you to satisfy. What if somebody that the prodigal son would have respected would have explained to him, now, prodigal, when you get into the far country, here's the way it's going to go. The first weeks or a couple months or so, you're going to really have a good time, and you're going to blow all that money, and then all of a sudden there will be a famine in the land, and you won't have a thing to eat, and uh, you'll be just hooking up with some rich person just to barely get by, and they'll get kind of tired of you, and they'll put you feeding the hogs, and you'll be about ready to starve to death, and it's really going to be a miserable existence. <laughs> if somebody could have told him that, and he actually believed it and understood it, he might not have gone. Right. Amen. Let me tell you about lust. It doesn't give you fair warning like that. It says, the far country, the parties, the fun, the friends, the romance, the action. And it's a hog pen. That's what it is. It's deceitful. Or I'll tell you something else. It's foolish. Stupid. Once in a while, you ought to look at some of the stuff you're doing because of the lust and realize how stupid it is. And maybe the best example of this is that covetousness, that lust, that desire for money. Let's look at the famous passage in Timothy here, 1 Timothy chapter 6. It deals with this so well that is so often quoted. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, boy, I wish I could get that across to half the American Christians in our day. Godliness, be godly, and be content with what you have, is great gain. You couldn't put a dollar figure on that. Amen. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich, hey, here's the rich people. Let's see how it turns out for them. But they that will be rich, and it's not just rich people, but the ones who live for it, that will be rich, that's their will, that's their desire. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. You all know what a snare is. That's a horrible thing a poor little animal gets into. Temptation and a snare and into many foolish, they're stupid, and hurtful, it hurts you, lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Don't misunderstand, I'm not preaching against being rich. We live in a land of abundance. God bless America, he shed his grace on thee. It is not wrong to be rich, but it's wrong to live for that. Amen. It's not wrong to have money, but it's wrong to love it. The love of money is the root of all evil. 
Now, the beginning or root of many of the lusts is this desire for riches. A good rule is to be content with food and raiment. Well, let's see some American Christians keep that one. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But that's, what, that's the Word of God, isn't it? Now, I don't mean that it's wrong to get more than food and raiment, but you ought to be content if all you have is food and raiment. You know what? Those other things don't bring joy. They bring temporary pleasure, but they do not bring lasting joy. Lust from the desires for riches are foolish. You'll, you'll do foolish things. And hurtful. They're not even good for you. And I've told you before about that series of books that trace the lives and the deaths of the rich and the beautiful and the celebrities and the well-known people. It's called They Went That Away. They Went That Away. And if you want to read something, you read the stories of how the rich people died, the famous people died, the popular people died, the celebrities died. It's horrible. It's Amen. miserable. And I'll read those things. I'll think, I remember this person in history. I remember this star. I remember how this person was. You know what? It wasn't that way. A good representation of this in our day is social media. You, when you saw, back in the day, when you saw Judy Garland somewhere over the rainbow, you would have thought she had it made. She was the star. You know what was going on in her life? A train wreck. Amen. Amen. And in our day on social media, when you see some of these things, it looks like, man, they got it made. You know what's going on in a lot of their lives? A wreck. Bless their hearts. What's the matter? Some of these lusts, foolish and hurtful lusts. They lead to destruction and perdition. Ruin. Totaled. When we wreck a car and it's damaged so bad that it ain't worth the insurance replacing it. <laughs> or repairing it, I mean. They may as well just replace it. We call that totaled. Let me tell you what can happen to a Christian life. It can be totaled. Amen. Or as the scripture says, concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. Now, buddy, I hate to laugh. I, I, I guess I've got a fiendish side to me. Because when the kids pull up those YouTube videos of those wipeout, those crashes and things, I, I know it's terrible. But I can't help but laugh. <laughs> I mean, some of those wrecks are such a catastrophe. And don't get me wrong, you know, they put a little caption on there, no one was killed in this, okay? So I'm not laughing at anybody dying. But some of those car wrecks, man, I mean, some they hit and the bumper goes one way and the windshield goes another way and somebody flies out the front. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to laugh at that. That's terrible. But they assure you, you know, nobody was seriously hurt in this. But man, it, it's a mess. Let me tell you about old time shipwrecks. Here would come a storm and one of those ships would come crashing down on the rocks. It is horrible. Let me tell you what can happen in your Christian life. A shipwreck. Amen. Some mean guy like Brother Bob might get laughing at him. No. <laughs> Best thing you need to do is get back to the Lord. You can get back to sailing for him. But they're foolish and hurtful lusts. And here's the, here's the problem. It says they make you err from the faith. You know what you don't need to do? You don't need to err from the faith. You need to keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. All right, let's look up at the preacher now. Let's look up at the preacher. All right, so that's foolish and hurtful us. All right, now let's talk about this one. This is important. 
Look back at Romans a minute if you got your place there. If not, I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. One of the things that people say who are live, living according to lust or run by lust in their lives is, I don't want you to tell me what to do. Don't, I'm tired of obeying all the rules. Then you don't want to live according to your lust. Because let me tell you what lust will do. It'll take over and control your life. Amen. Yes, it will. If you get enslaved to money, you can't ever do anything else. You get enslaved to drugs, you can't ever do anything else. You get enslaved to illicit relationships, it'll take over every facet of your life. It'll take over your health. It'll take over how you spend your money. It'll take over how you spend your... You'll be wishing mom and daddy or the teacher at school or the preacher or somebody is telling you what to do when lust takes over. It'll take over and control you in ways that a preacher never dreamed of controlling you. Lust is the big controller. In spite of many who claim that they hate someone ruling over them and controlling them, they give themselves over to obeying the master like a slave when they lust. Oh my, don't do it. One thing that a lot of people justify lust with is to say, oh, but this is the desire of my heart. Oh, this is my dream. This is what my heart... Look out for your heart. The Bible says... The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Notice how many times this is connected to the heart in Scripture. They tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. To, to the young man it says, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart. Matthew 5, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Romans 1.24, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. All this starts in your heart. Oh, look out for lust. And look out for it in your own heart. This isn't something you can blame on anybody else. And you say you don't want to be told what to do, then the one thing you'll want to do is obey rightful authority. Because if you don't, your lust takes over and it'll control every facet of your life. You won't get in a place where every dime of your money is spent because of an addiction. You won't get in a place where the people that love you end up leaving you and family maybe is broken up. Then let, me, then let me tell you what to do. You start obeying rightful authority so you don't get taken over by lust. That will break you up worse than any person that you think is a little too mean and controlling you a little too much. You wait till your heart's lust take over. You'll be on a level you never dreamed of. He also calls it uncleanness there. Some people take a lot of <clears throat> comfort from the fact that maybe they haven't done a certain sin. They haven't actually stolen they haven't actually fornicated. They haven't actually, you know, got smashed drunk. Yeah, but you don't even need to be fooling around with that stuff. That's why the Bible uses terms like uncleanness and lasciviousness. It's one thing not to do the act, but sometimes your jokes are about it, your music is about it, your movies are about it, your friends are about it, your dress is about it. Everything in your life is about it. True, maybe you haven't exactly done one certain deed, but you've surrounded yourself with that stuff, 
And it's filled your mind and heart. Next thing you know, that lust takes over them. It's a good thing to live clean. There's a reason our society is in a mess that it used to be in in this country 100 years ago. Tell you something else about lust. It's a warrior. It's a warrior. 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. There's an eternal soul in every one of you. And it is going to live somewhere forever. And the lust of your flesh and the lust of your heart war against the eternal part of you. The part that will always be there. Next time lust takes over in your heart and in your mind, remember, wait a minute, there's a part of me that will permanently always be there. And what I'm feeling right now is making war against that thing. You know, when, I, when you go to war against something, it's a little more serious than you just don't exactly like them. Amen. James 4.1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Your members is the parts of your body. There is no room for diplomacy when it comes to dealing with lust. It is at war with the real, lasting, permanent part of you. And it is the origin of wars and fighting. You know why some people just can't get along with almost anybody? They're following their lusts. And that is where wars and fightings come. And anybody that crosses them and what they want is immediately seen as their enemy. Oh, let me tell you something. The person that takes stuff from you so that you don't end up getting addicted to it is somebody that cares for you a lot more than you care for yourself sometimes. Lust is a warrior. Lust is unclean. Second Peter 2, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. You know what government is? That's somebody that's an authority over you. When you live in the lust of uncleanness, you hate anybody that would be an authority and tell you not to do something. We've all experienced that. Haven't we all wanted to do something wrong and there was the authority stopping us from it and it kind of aggravated us? <laughs> I bet we all remember some times like that. Ah, oh, the lust of uncleanness. The Bible says, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Amen. The Bible says, The dog has returned to his vomit and the sow to her wallowing in the mire. You know what living in lust is? It is unclean. It is nasty. It is dirty. You get yes. living like that and you'll be doing some things you would have swore you'd have never done. And I don't need to get too graphic. You know you hear about some of the nasty stuff that's going on in our day. If you look at electronic screens very much, you've seen some pretty nasty stuff and heard it referred to. Lust is unclean. And last, I'll say this. Lust will kill you. James 1.15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. When something kills, it is not to be played with. It is to be taken very seriously, and it is to be avoided. Now I think all of us, especially the young men, but maybe some of you girls too, when you're young and you're learning to drive, it is exciting to have that machine under your control. And I remember, boy, when I was first learning to drive, being on some old 
roads that I know, knew there wasn't many people on, and I mean going fast in that vehicle. But there are other people that aren't as stupid as others. <laughs> and they've read about car wrecks and people getting killed and people getting maimed and hurt real bad from those things. And they have a good, healthy fear of going too fast in a car. But don't get me wrong, I know it's exciting, but it can be real dangerous too. And let me tell you about sin. There is pleasure in sin for a season. There is an excitement that will come when you put the gas pedal all the way down. There's some fun. There's a little thrill to it. But there is a bad danger. And you want to read about something that's killing some people in this country? Read about car wrecks. <laughs> killing a lot of people. You want to read about something that's messing people up spiritually and sometimes physically too? Lust. What have we seen about lust today? Number one, it originates with you. Number two, it's deceitful. It'll trick you. Number three, it's foolish and hurtful. Number four, it's controlling. You say you don't want to be told what to do, then get under some godly authority and do just exactly what they tell you. Because if you don't, You'll be doing what your lust says to do and it'll control every part of your life like a mama and a daddy and a teacher never dreamed of ever doing. It will take you over. If you don't like to be lorded over, don't ever follow your lust. Lust is a warrior. Lust is unclean. and Lust will kill you. But I don't want to leave you without telling you the remedy for this. I'll tell you how to fix it and it will not rule your life. Number one, get saved. Amen. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Have the great emancipator save you from the bondage of sin. Amen. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number one, get saved. Number two, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Romans 6. We're in Romans 6, so I'll just read that. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. A lot of people say, I get tired of being told to obey, obey, obey. You just do what you want for a while. Next thing you know, you'll be obeying whatever your lust tells you to do. That's right. Reckon yourself to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. If number one, you'll get saved, and number two, you'll think, wait a minute, I'm dead to that sin. I can't do that. I've already been bought with the price. I'm alive to the Lord, but I'm dead to that. I can't do that. Not for your salvation, but once you're already saved. Salvation, dead reckoning, here's a big one. Stay busy for God. The old timers used to say, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. You just sit around looking at this world's entertainment, sit around wasting a bunch of time, you'll think of some bad stuff to do. Stay busy for God. Romans 6.13 says it this way, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members instruments of righteousness unto God. In other words, take your body and be using it for God instead of sitting around not doing much of anything. Why? 
Because you have an unregenerate spirit. If you're, if you're lost and if you're saved, you've still got the old man living with you. And he'll sit there and he'll say, well, you could always do this. <laughs> he will come up with some stuff to keep you busy if you don't keep busy for God. Stay busy for God. And here's the last one. Don't make an allowance. Don't make it where you can. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14 says this. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Let's say you're fighting overeating and you really love your favorite dessert. What if you keep three containers of your favorite dessert in the refrigerator all the time? Reckon you'll get some of that? <laughs> Let's say you're fighting liquor and you keep a nice cabinet stocked with your favorite kinds. Reckon you'll get you some of it? <laughs> Let's say you're hooked on dope and you keep a place you can keep go getting that dope or dirty pictures or gambling or whatever your deal is. Here's what you do. You make not provision for the flesh. Number one, get saved. Number two, reckon yourself dead. Number three, stay too busy. And number four, cut off the allowance to get to those things. Amen. And you know what you'll do? You'll go a long way in fighting lust. Now, I'm sorry to tell you, as long as you live in these bodies, you're going to struggle with it. You will not perfectly overcome. But those things right there will sure help you fight. But number one, put the Lord Jesus Christ in his place. None of the others happen until he is in his right place. Hey, what will you do with Jesus? Where is he in your heart? Where is he in your mind? Where is he in the hierarchy of the authority in your life? He needs to be number one. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read and study your word and the truths.